Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. So we've gone from the binging in the first 20 into the next 20 when we're having drinking for particular reasons and then into the next 20, we're like, well, it's, it's the norm. There's no other way. There's no alternative. I couldn't perceive life without a drink, quite honestly. My guest today is named Mark Holmes. He is the author of Holmes Complete Guide to Stop Drinking Alcohol, The Easy, Mindful, and Pain-Free Way. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, Brett. Uh, My name is Mark Holmes, and I'm calling from London, England, and I'm delighted to be on the Recovery Survey podcast today. Would you like a little bit of a backstory to start? Yeah, that would be great. Let the audience know uh, who you are, a little bit more about about your story. Maybe take us back to the beginning or or how you first started using. That'd be awesome. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've I've been well. I was drinking for thirty years, three decades. It was uh, I, I was very very experienced in that field, and I was what I would call a high functioning alcoholic. So I was I was always able to maintain a sort of convincing uh, pretense that I didn't have a problem with drinking, you know, and I think some alcoholics become uh, very good at doing that. You know, they learn all the tricks along the way, but it's, it's sort of happened. How did I get into drinking? Well, yeah, it kind of happens without you even realizing it's happening for me, at least. I mean, I was a, like a big fan of, of, uh, of, of great American authors, the beats and um, Kerouac and, the, the sort of roadhouse movies, uh, frat movies, fraternity movies about um, partying on campus, um, like Animal House, um, and all of these sort of things, um, books, literature, movies. And I know I'm, I, I might sound a bit strange with my accent, but I, w- I was very much a part of the American culture, Brett, <laughs> and, all, you know, subject to all these influences. And it was the done thing, wasn't it? And, you know, when I went to college to train to be a teacher, you partied hard. That was the kind of work hard, play hard. You, you made sure, you know, you had a good time after, you know, football or sports or drama. For me, I was big into Amdram. That was part of, part of the, you know, the after show thing. And so it was nothing un- abnormal at my university, at least, to, to go binge drinking for very little reason, you know, just <laughs> what day is it? Um, as long as there's any excuse for a party. And, but it was kind of beans drinking in the sense it wasn't habitual. So I would say, you know, in, in my book, I divide everything into kind of biblical 
time periods. So, you know, I say let's split it up into 24 year gaps, you know, a score and say, what happened in that first score? What happened in the second score of life? What happened in the third score of life? And so for the first 20 years, um, that was my experience at the end of that binging at university. Then I go into work as a young teacher and it became more routine, shall we say. And I started using alcohol as a bit of a tool um, for a purpose. I say purposeful drinking in the book, because if I had a particularly hard week, I'd, I'd let my hair down on, on a Friday after work with all the other teachers. And it was quite a stressful job, believe it or not. I know most people look at teachers going, they're the ones causing all the stress, you know, do this, do that. But actually, <laughs> you know, when you're a teacher, you're on show, you know, four or five times a day. And playing this character who knows everything, which I don't, I never did. And actually, I used to say that. I said, like, I really don't know. It's your job, kids, to find out because I don't know. I really don't. You're going to fall off your chair if you don't sit up and, uh, you know, and all that stuff. So you are playing this kind of role. So what's my point? My point is whether it was to let my hair down after work on a Friday at the end of the week, or if I had a really tough week, you know, then I'd be looking for a drink as a relief. And often I think these, these two kind of things is either a relief or a reward. Everything you're going to be summed into one of the other reasons. But gradually, then you can go into the next 20 years. I suppose then my drinking started to become, well, it was routine. I was drinking. I, was, I automatically knew on the way home I'm getting beer or a, or a bottle of wine. And I'd have maybe spirits on a weekend or it depends what I'm doing. But there would be drinking. It, it was automatic it was habitual and it wasn't dependent on an event so we've gone from the binging in the first 20 into the next 20 when we're having drinking for particular reasons and then into the next 20 we're like well it's it's the norm there's no other way there's no alternative i couldn't perceive life without a drink quite honestly that would seem if you said that to me at that point i just wouldn't have seen seen that as um Impossible for me to think. Now, in the meantime, while all of these things are happening, I've, I've got a very successful career, right? I'm going up in ranks. I'm going up from teacher to a head of department. And, you know, God, you, you love those status things when you're in your 20s. That seems really important, you know? And then in your 30s, I'm, I'm going up again and, and up to, you know, assistant principal and then eventually principal. And I, to all intents and purposes, would have been perceived as quite a successful person i imagine but you know i was still hiding a secret that i had a problem with drinking but i did it i think really well but i would wouldn't i and <laughs> i kid myself mate i <laughs> i'm very good at kidding myself i'm not just kidding everyone else by the way you know and i think it causes these problems that you make excuses for you know throughout your life and it did for me um, sometimes I would, there would be incidents that I could, I could argue they weren't related to having a hangover or I, I could make excuses and say, well, drinking didn't really affect it. But if I'm honest now, in retrospect, I think it did. And I think there were some, you know, bad decisions made and yeah, it definitely created problems in my life. And I always, always, always said it was, I, you know, until I'm blue in the face, you know, uh, I would say it doesn't def never cause many problems, you know. And my heroes, like, like, my massive hero was of mine was Bukowski, and um, Charles Bukowski. 
And I, I don't know if he's every drunk's superstar, but for me, he definitely was mine. He still is mine, actually. I, even though I'm, I consider myself recovered, he still is my my hero. And, you know, I used to always think, well, if he can do it and he can get away with it, well, why can't I? And, you know, problem we've got is that a lot of my heroes were alcoholics. You know, if you look at Live Aid, you're, you're not old enough to remember this, Brett, but there was this thing called Live Aid. I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> clips on YouTube. <laughs> you might have seen a clip, right? Well, I've watched Queen's performance at Live Aid too many times to count. And what did you think? Brilliant. Brilliant, wasn't it? It was absolutely. Well, that was, I, I was a young man. Well, I was a boy at that point, but um, I, I remember it well. And if you look, I put this in the book as well, that, about the lineup. How many of those were alcoholics? You know, it's frightening. It is absolutely frightening. And the list of alcoholics, and I mean, I've got them all listed in my book, but it's like, you know, it's like a recovery group on stage for that, for the world's biggest event in live rock. And it wasn't perceived in the same way now. You know, this, this was normal. This is the way, that, you know, that, these stars having alcohol issues was just accepted. And, you know, you can name the big ones like Elton John, Billy Joel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all saying now, you know, yeah, we had that period in our lives, but, but it's not normal. You know, we've got this wrong idea about alcohol. It's not normal, but we grew, I grew up thinking it was and making excuses for it and trying to, you know, trying to cope with it as a part of my life and not realizing that was wrong. That's a bit of a long answer, isn't it, Brett? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, you're totally fine. And I love the point that you brought up about us being masters of self-deception, because I know that I fell into that category where I would downplay the consequences of my use and you know, try to justify some of those things and and try to, like you were talking about, shift the blame where it's not the drugs and the alcohol that are actually causing the problem. It's this whole list of things that I've come up with. And that's why my life is the way it is. It's not, it's not the substance's fault that, that all these things are happening and just making those excuses so I can continue down that path. Yes, that's absolutely right. And the thing, the sad, you know, the sad thing is, you know, some, you know, in teaching, you know, if we're, we're, we're a good teacher, we, we, we have a rapport with the students, you know, and we try and, you know, encourage and, and think about where they're coming from and show compassion, you know, because you need to have a, a you know, a mutual trusting relationship when you're learning. And that's really important. But sometimes what we, we forget is about having self-compassion and sort of loving kindness for ourselves. And I kind of, while I was sort of on the outside, very kind of assertive uh, that alcohol was not a problem and that, you know, if there was any problems, then everyone else was to blame. But also I was incredibly hard on myself and, and really self-critical that I didn't actually share with anyone. And my kind of internal monologue was always, you know, oh, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? That was stupid. What are you playing at? Mark, get a grip. You know, and yet on the outside, you know, if something went wrong, I'd be looking for to blame someone else. And it was never me or it was never the alcohol. But this this thing, this really big thing, which I think sometimes when we're drinking, 
we're, we're, we're trying to fill a hole, you know, we're, we're drinking to fill that hole or we've got something that's missing. And, and we can be really hard on ourselves. So if there's one thing I want to say to, to your listeners today, and that is try and try and find that love for yourself. Don't give up from a position of like, oh, I hate myself. You know, why did I do that? You know, don't go from a hate point of view. Try and go from a kind of meta or loving kindness point of view. Because it, if you do it for, from, you know, sort of love for yourself, then it's going to be a lot more powerful and it's going to be a lot more permanent. And, you know, anyone can give up beer for a, a, a you know, I quit beer for an hour or I quit, I quit beer for a, <laughs> a day. I'll, I'll drink again tomorrow, or a week or a month or a year. You know, we can all do it for a short period of time temporarily and postpone. But that, to, when I did that, that was torture. That was like living torture. And, you know, again, the, 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 the internal monologue was full of hate. You idiot, you know, why, why can't you just stop thinking about drinking? Why have you got that urge? You, you know, what are you? Oh, God, I could just I need to have a drink now. No, don't have a drink. Why are you? You're useless. Come on, have some willpower and all of that kind of conversation. So I, don't, I don't mean to get too emotional and scare everyone off your show, but it's that, it's that, that thinking, right? It's that thinking when you're drinking is the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, the thinking is wronger. Which that, that word doesn't exist, but the thinking is longer than the drinking, right? Yeah, it's the thinking that is where the fault lies. And if you can get a slight kind of spark of insight into that, there's a there's a tiny chance that it might you might be different to that drinker, right? There's a tiny chance that you could possibly remember. Something before you started drinking, that little time maybe when, I don't know, you were six, but you didn't have a drink or whatever age it was, where you weren't dependent, you weren't life or death if you had a drink or not. And I'm talking here to people right, who, who have tried to quit and struggled. You know, I'm talking to people that have quit and then, you know, beating themselves up because they had, you know, 90 days under their belt and they suddenly went back to it. I'm talking about, people who, do, who can't do it for a week who've tried to stop drinking for a week and then they're given up on day five and that was torture for them you know i've been there mate i've done everything i don't know you know <laughs> you want to ask what, what have you done to quit mark and i have you know i've i've tried walking for five miles after work you know so i'm so exhausted i, I can't lift a bottle or a glass i've just got a crash i have tried memorizing the bible to try not to think about urges or cravings um i've been in tears you know with urges and cravings um literally so you know if any of your listeners have gone gone through that kind of suffering torture of of cravings and urges and frustration you know i take my hat off to them because that that is unfortunate that's part of the process to getting better and You've got to go through that until you realize, and right, this something will click. And you go, you know, literally almost, and it will go, right, that's it. I've had enough of having enough. I'm fed up with being fed up. When you get to that point, you'll know it. I would say never just rush quitting. <laughs> never, you know, I'm just, you, you go on Facebook groups, right? And I'm sure you know about them. There's, there's many. And you see, you see every day. Um, oh, back to day one, 
or, you know, um, back to whatever after, you know, or five days, I'm really happy because I've done five days. I'm not knocking that, but people that keep on going back to day one without doing anything different, that's the key thing. You haven't done anything different. What makes you think just quitting again using willpower is going to work that time? You know, if you don't, if, you know, if something happens, keeps on happening in your life, like I'm driving a car, I keep on crashing the car and that, that could be because I don't know how indicators work or, you know, I've got to work out what was the cause for the crash. And I've got to, if I don't figure that out, it's going to crash again. It's not rocket science, is it? I would say if you want to quit and I definitely encourage it because it's the best thing you ever do in your life. It's the most noble pursuit there is. But if you want to quit, plan it, do your homework, you know, do your reflections. Think about why it hasn't worked in the past. Get, get a good alcohol book and good quick lit, they call them, like mine. Is this a good time to plug it or not? Oh, it's, it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, I would love I would love for you to talk about it. You've referenced it several times in the conversation. Yeah, I, I ended up after 30 years eventually finding a solution for me. And my solution uh, to quit was was involved, you know, two things. For me, it wasn't the AA. I didn't just didn't work for me. Um, I did try that, and I tried many, many different things. But in the end, the one that worked for me was something called CBT. And for your listeners who've never heard of that, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. And what this does is try to address the, the thinking, the wrong thinking. Because they're, they're, the reason why you do something, you have a behavior, is because of some thought. So if you think about like a simple model, like an A, B, C, A would be the activating event and C being the consequence. So something could happen like a trigger and the consequence could be I'll have a drink. So, okay, um, I have a row with my wife. A, that's the activating event. And then C, the consequence would be I'll have a drink to kind of calm down or chill out or whatever. But in between those two things, B is the belief system. So it's what you thought about the activating event that will influence the C, which is the consequence. So, you know, something you can have an argument with your wife or a disagreement, um, that could be the trigger. But then depending on how you view the other person or yourself, that could have a big influence. What are your beliefs on what the consequence will be on taking that drink or not? If your beliefs, um, we call these usually intermediate beliefs. So there's sort of three levels. You've got, first of all, you've got thoughts, your automatic thoughts. And if they're negative, we call them obviously negative automatic thoughts. And they are kind of automatic. They just happen straight away. So whenever you've got that argument happening, you're going to trigger some thinking if it's negative or automatic thoughts that could be a problem why would you have negative automatic thoughts because it could be based on your wrong intermediate beliefs we call those dysfunctional intermediate beliefs and they could be based on core beliefs so this belief system um, will influence what the consequence will be You've got to forgive me for kind of going slowly there and trying to break those, those terms down. But it's really important because that's basically what cognitive behavioral therapy is. It's saying, what, what are we doing about our belief systems? Where could that be going wrong? 
to cause us to have this dream. And if we can work on that, then we won't have that consequence. Because often the, you know, why we drink isn't about just picking up the, the bottle, you know, there's often more to that. So the books, so I worked on this CPT. That was the thing that got made sense to me anyway. I was like, yeah, God, now I see that. And that was like the light. And that was one big thing. And the second thing was kind of researching different techniques to kind of control my emotions and and manage how I felt because often my feelings would would be influencing while I was drinking. And, you know, if I was very upset, I'd be using alcohol to relief that upset. But in fact, you know, if I was very anxious or depressed, I was using alcohol. And I don't know if other people do. I'm sure other people do, actually. Um, But in fact, you know, the research shows that you know, drinking causes anxiety. You know, some people use that term anxiety. Alcohol can cause that anxiety and depression that you're drinking to relieve, which is scary, you know, <laughs> because you're just digging, you know, it's like digging its own hole deeper, isn't it? You know, um, and so I was like looking at this going, oh, my goodness. So this is a bigger, you know, puzzle to solve, isn't it? It's bigger than I thought. It's not just about not picking up the drink in the first place, then you'll be fine. But all of these triggers that I'm having and all of these urges and cravings are related to something in my belief system. And unless I fix that, it doesn't matter how much willpower I use to not drink, I will be suffering this torture of of cravings and urges because I still think the solution is just in a bottle over there. And it's never, it never was, it never is. And so you've got to think, think, you get your thinking right. So after studying that, the CBT, helping me understand cognitions and their link to behavior, then I started looking at um, techniques to resolve my anxiety. And the, the one that I found that was the most profound was meditation. And in fact, I've been introduced to that, funnily enough, back when I was at school by a Catholic monk. Everyone thinks meditation, Buddhism. But in fact, there was a Catholic monk that taught me to, to meditate the first time. And no airs, I was only like 13, 14. And when I was going to say there's no airs and graces, it was no special thing. It wasn't like suddenly, you know, chanting and some mystical, magical happening. No, it wasn't like that at all. It was just purely a relaxation technique. And viewed in that light, we're not talking about trying to gain insight into the human condition we're not talking about you know levitation and uh, i don't know voodoo chants or i don't you know people have got some very scary connotations of what meditation actually is you know but i'm not talking about it like that i'm just talking about it to just breathe and and de-stress that's what i'm talking about that for me was the the other key Because unless I had control over my kind of breathing and my anxiety, I couldn't even begin to control my thoughts. My thoughts were racing out of control. So I had to get control of my body. I had to get control of my body, my mind, my thoughts, and my heart. And that was essential. So I couldn't quit drinking without considering these other two things. For me, the the meditation as a very basic breathing exercise, which, by the way, if you try to find that on YouTube, 
I've just done it because I've got, there's a free book on my website with the, the best ways to meditate. And that's totally free, by the way. Anyone can get that. I do ask for a name and an email, but that's, that's the price you have to pay. That's, but it's free, right? But it's a name and an email is the cost. But that is really difficult. <laughs> the most simple thing in the world, just breathing meditation is, is incredibly difficult to find good advice on, really. And it's very simple. It's also, by the way, in my paid book. So eventually, <laughs> I trained to be a CBT therapist. I set up something called the Addiction Help Agency. And I wrote a book about how I quit. And in it, I explain how CBT works with simple exercises, step by step. And I also give simple instructions for meditation and secular and non-secular. So people can look, you know, there's instructions from many sources. So I've got to say that I used primary academic sources. So there's over 300 academic references, but hopefully it doesn't read like too much like a textbook because I tried to write it like a Sherlock Holmes mystery, you know, Sherlock Holmes, get it, you know, mm-hmm. Holmes, you know, because the book I'm Mark Holmes. So I was thinking Sherlock Holmes could be investigating the mystery of why anyone is crazy enough to be a drinker and go exploring that and finding out the facts. So a little kind of detective novel style thing. So that's the background to Holmes's complete guide to stop drinking alcohol. That's the long-winded title, but that <laughs> that is my that was my book about how I quit and the, and and quit permanently and also painlessly. So not having urges afterwards, not having cravings, um, not having to to believe in a higher power. I do, by the way, Brett. I'm a firm believer in God from a Christian background, but I'm also a firm believer in in many Buddhist practices and ideas as well. Although that's not required in the book because I felt. It would be unfair, you know, to 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 have a method that was kind of limited or restricted just to 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 one faith, if you like. Yeah. So that's a lot. That one, that book though, is the money paid one. There is a free book on my website, which is is got loads of resources. That's totally free. But that the my home's is complete guide to stop drinking alcohol. That one, that one is um, unfortunately I've got to charge for that one. Awesome. Well, we're getting kind of towards the end of our time. So I'd love for you to tell the the listeners a little bit more about the addiction help agency, where they can find that, what kind of services you offer, and maybe also tell us where we can find your book. Brilliant. Oh, thanks, Brett. Yeah. Um, so the, the I'm like founder and CEO of the addiction help agency. And you can find that by if you type in um, www.addictionhelp, one word, dot agency you'll find my website and the services we offer there is I offer a 12 week alcohol cessation program. So really that is just my book, but I do it once a week with you for 45 minutes for 12 weeks. And, but really, if you just look at my book, just the chapters of my book, it's basically doing all the things in the book. So, you know, the book starts off with self-assessment questionnaires to see what is your level of drinking. And those questionnaires are very difficult to find, but they're all professionally validated. They're all scientifically proven to be effective. They're not my questionnaires. So they're they're medical questionnaires. So basically the online program counseling is via Zoom. Like I said, 12 weeks, 45 minutes a session. And I do that in um, States and in the UK um, because I work over the two time zones. I I work basically from 
6 p.m. in the UK to 6 a.m. in the UK, and then fit appointments around that. So it tends to work for people in both countries. Um, at the moment, cross fingers, that's all going well. And you can find more information on that um, on my website. And what else did I say? Oh, the where you can find the book. The book, Homes is a Complete Guide to Stop Drinking Alcohol, The Easy, Mindful and Pain-Free Way. That's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. And that's <laughs> and there's a free book. If you go to my website, you can get the free book. You give your name and address. And that's got the top 10 lists of best podcasts for drinking, stopping drinking, the top 10 quit lip books, the top 10 blogs for alcohol cessation, the top 10. And they're all ranked um, objectively, independently using SEMrush data. So it's not just what I think are the best of each thing. They're actually, you know, my book is number six, Brett. That's really bad, isn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm not number one. But Not yet. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> I did that because you could go on my blog. On my blog, I've got all these lists and, and, you know, suggestions anyway. But I thought if I put it in one book, it's easy for people to refer to because mm-hmm. people often, you know, they can't afford like my, well, my book. It's not like $9.99 for the Kindle one, but some people might struggle to pay that. And so this free book has got loads of links to resources. So if you can't afford the book, but you still want to give up, get the free book. And that will give, give you, you know, people don't know when they stop drinking that there's so much help and support out there. I've even got the top 10 peer support groups like the AA, AA Agnostica. And there's one special peer support group just for women. There's another one just for medically assisted treatment, you know, to cure alcoholism or to support people on their cessation sobriety journey. So, you know, there's a lot of free support out there. And I was trying to put all of that into information into one place, you know, that's subjective and they, and they can, you know, pick and choose. I mean, it might be, I, I know you're coming to the close here, Brett, but it might be that, you know, my book's not the solution could be that my 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 therapy is the solution or it could be your podcast is a solution and you don't need either of the other two you know just hearing this conversation could be enough so we we never know what works for someone could be different but i just recommend that that if you come from a place of loving kindness but for others and for yourself then you know that's that's the most important thing i i love that message and and all the different things that you've mentioned here, your your book, your website, I'll be sure to include all that in the show notes. So if you are listening and you want to find out more about Mark's book or his website and the services he offers, you can scroll down in your podcast app and just tap on those different links and it will open those pages for you. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on today. I really do appreciate it, man. Nice one. All right. Have a good day there in Texas, mate. Oh, cheers, mate. Mark, thank you again for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate it, and I had a great time talking with you. If you guys are interested in his book or some of those free resources that Mark mentioned, the links for those will be in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.